offering information for your mind, enabling transformation for your heart. A weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Sabbath School U. What's going on everyone and welcome to Sabbath School University. This week I've got some wonderful friends with me. Vanessa, what's going on? Hi. How you doing Gina? Good. What's up, Tanya? Hey, how are you? Well, listen, we're going to begin today. Our lesson is the Lord of the Gentiles and the Jews. Uh, but first, let's begin with our scripture reading and a word of prayer. Vanessa, would you mind reading scripture for us? That was Gina. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't, I wasn't ready. <laughs> well, let's, that's okay. We're all family here. Gina, would you mind reading scripture for us? And then I'm going to ask Tanya to pray. Sure. All right. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles. Thank you so much. Okay, I'm going to pray in Swahili. Cool. Uh, let's pray. Mungu, naomba utubariki leo tukisoma hii Biblia na naomba usaidia kila mtu wanavyoangalia na watajua wewe uwezi kuacha naomba uwasaidie kila mtu um mbinguni hapo and um tunaomba kwa jina lako amen amen thank you so much well listen um just to kind of get this going i want to ask you all i mean think back over your upbringing maybe in your middle school high school days or even college would you describe yourself as being a part of the in crowd or the out crowd and if so in what ways and how I was starting with me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I it was complicated. Okay. I was I was not part of the in crowd, um, but not in the fact that I, people made fun of me or didn't like me, but more I just didn't like most people. Right. So <laughs> everybody knew who I was, but I didn't answer, interact with a lot of people. No. Okay. Complicated. Cool. Mm. Uh, I was definitely a part of the out crowd. And I was teased. Um, I was tall and lanky. I had the glasses and I had the curly hair. And I mean, for that, I guess day and age, it wasn't very common. So, right. so I did get made, made fun of a lot. Okay. I was, I would say I, would, I was uh, in between, you know. Yeah. I knew just everybody and I didn't really like having cliques or hanging out with just the same group of people. Yeah. So I always like to be friends with everyone. So yeah, yeah. kind of in between the end. and. I can you know, relate crow. with that, kind of being in between both worlds. And for me, there was like a transitional phase between middle school and high school, like middle school and down. I was a minority in the school, wasn't too many people. Um, tall, like you, who stood out. I used to hate the pictures. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm in fifth grade, even though I'm 7'3". I'm sorry. Um, so, you know, that's kind of what we're studying this week, the Jews and the Gentiles. And, and, you know, who would you describe in terms of up until this point as the in crowd? Would it be Israel, God's people, or anybody else? I think it really all depends on what angle you're looking at the circumstances because to the Jews, the Jews were the in crowd, mm -hmm. but to the Romans, the Jews were nothing. Okay. And then to the Sumerians, you know, you have all these different factors in there. So it's kind of like, I, I do reading my Bible, get a deep sense of this us versus them. Yeah. But everyone, you know, we tend to more often than not think very highly of ourselves, regardless of which side we fall on, okay. so. Okay, it's interesting. Um, I know growing up, 
you hear the nation of Israel, the children of Israel, mm -hmm. God's chosen people. Mm -hmm. And so I've always thought, oh, this is pretty cool. What does it mean to be God's chosen people? How about this? Um, are, is anyone here an only child? Nope. No. So we all got, we've all got, you know, siblings, <laughs> mm -hmm. myself included. Um, but did you feel from your parents at all like a unique kind of love or attention that maybe distinguished you from your siblings? Not really. I think, okay. I feel like they all treat us the same. Mm -hmm. I guess because my older sister is a lot, uh, like nine years older than oh, me. So, I'd, okay. you know, maybe a little difference there because a lot oh. more mature. But I felt like they all treated us the same and, you know, gave us all that okay. attention and, and time to hang out and get to know us. But I understand what you're getting at. I've, I've seen that in some mm -hmm. of my friends where like me and my siblings, we are too much older and younger than each other to really sure. be compared to each other. But people who have siblings are like a year apart, two years yeah. apart. And I've heard people say that to their own. Why can't you be more like your brother? Why can't you? Or, or blatant favorite, favoritism in terms of like one kid gets a car when they graduate and one doesn't or just things like that yeah. where people know. They're like, I'm not the favorite. <laughs> so is it middle child? Yeah, yeah no. middle child. I see. I'm like middle and old. I'm the only boy, yeah. but I'm between two girls. Yeah. So no hand-me-down clothes. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> um, so did God favor Israel? You know, I don't know. How do you guys think feel about that? So I feel like. Uh, more often than not, you'll say, yes, he did. Okay. But I think that as we are able to see in this lesson, that wasn't necessarily the case. Sure. Um, he, it, it does state that he felt compassion for both and, and was um, ready and, and willing to be able to kind of, I, they said it, feeding the hungry. Um, he was able to feed them both, I guess, literally and figuratively. Mm -hmm. um, in spite of whatever favoritism he may or may not have uh, okay. shown. I feel like no parent will ever say, yes, he is my favorite. Right. Um, he'll always, they will always try to stay uh, impartial and you know, be unbiased and fair. But um, I feel like Jesus did a good job of kind of showing that love and compassion to both sides of the spectrum evenly. Okay, cool. I think it goes back to what, what group you find yourself in. If you're the group of you know teenage boys who are really nerdy and study computers and get beat up your whole lives but then you're Bill Gates and you're running the world yeah. then you know what I mean your yeah. your depend your opinion of yourself depends on the circumstances um, sure. but I really did like that about the lesson where it clarified the difference between I've chosen this group for a purpose and mm -hmm. the, the the confusion between being chosen for a specific person and being loved more yeah. than other people. And and for me, number one, I'm, I'm not Jewish, but right. number two, I'm also dyslexic. So I see it the other way around. Okay. Like the Gentiles <laughs> must have been so special that God needed to choose, like to come up with this whole strategy wow. to get to us. Yo, you, you're but, doing it again, man. Like that's such a powerful point to see how the Lord can sometimes take the side door mm -hmm. when everyone's standing at the front door, like he's gonna open this door, he's gonna open this door. And he's like, actually, this mm -hmm. one is how I'm going to accomplish my purpose. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's I think that's awesome. And I think we have to remember an, an important uh, an important point is he didn't love them any less. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, that love was the same regardless of anything. Um, it doesn't matter who you were, what uh, what group you belonged to, or what you had done. He loved you and was was concerned for your salvation equally amongst all of them. Right. Maybe you guys can help me with this, and forgive me if this is a 
elementary question. But what is a Gentile? It's a funny word, but what is it? Or who are Gentiles? That's funny, because I, I kind of ask myself the same thing. And just looking at it right now, like right off the bat, to me, the way it's written, anything that isn't a Jew, okay. right? So for me, it says Jews and Gentiles. That means that if, well, you're not a Jew, then you're a Gentile. Yeah. So I feel like in the more general, broad definition, that's how I would take it. You listen, you're very smart. And <laughs> confession. You can't tell anyone, all right? Between <laughs> us. <laughs> I thought growing up that I wasn't a Gentile. I don't what know do why. Mean? Well, I just figured that, you know, we have the Bible, and <laughs> I never thought to ask the question, what is a Gentile? I just assumed that's not me. Oh, like, like Gentile came to mean somebody who doesn't know God yeah. or somebody who doesn't have the word. Right. That's, so right. that's what I thought. Which is, so, uh, right. And I guess with I mean, Adventists, we resemble more of the Jewish culture. Could it yeah. be that, too? Yeah. And then Gentiles. I think that had a more. lot to do with it. Because that's what I always thought. Like, we were I was like, it was a rude generation. awakening. I really remember the moment where I was just like, <laughs> wait a minute. I've been reading this thing wrong. And I feel like I'm not the only one who felt that way. Yeah, I've um, had those moments, yeah. But that's the I crazy agree. thing about it. It's like, why God's strategy in choosing a certain people group uh, for his own bigger overarching plans for all of all of time for all of humanity um, on this earth like why would that there's a lesser and a more and there's a it's the human mind of sin I think that feels this need yeah. to kind of just place people in this hierarchy where it's like we like for example this woman the Canaanite woman mm -hmm. like this the lesson this week was was a lot because I you hear that so much you hear yeah. the story over and over and you can learn so much from just a few lines but it's like she's coming and she's pleading with Jesus yeah. and to, to heal her demon-possessed child knowing full well that she's not a Jew mm -hmm. she addresses him as his proper title as Lord even though she's a Gentile he ignores her first then he rejects her and then he calls her a dog yeah. and it's kind of like if, if Jesus didn't, <laughs> if there's no favor in there, why would he, would he have called a Jewish person a dog at wow. any point in his walking this earth? It kind of makes you wonder. But for me, it's kind of like, I feel like Jesus, he did it on purpose for us to be talking about it here today. Like, yeah. there is no difference between a Jew and a Gentile. Mm -hmm. Just a sequence, but yeah. not a difference. It's interesting, you know, one of the stories in this week's lesson has to do with the feeding of the 5,000 men, aside from women and children. So it's well over 5,000 people together, um, you know, all from a little boy's lunch. And afterwards, they're just like, crown him Lord of Lords. Like, if he can do this, this mm. is the one. Mm. But he, he resists that. Now, just if you were in the crowd, would you kind of go along with that? goal like hey he needs to be king or would you kind of get that he's like not trying to be king well because I, I would say no because mm -hmm. it's coming from a human perspective right and what we tend to do is we tend to uh, I guess undermine his power mm. and what he can do or what he's there to do so yeah for them the utmost and and the biggest um, I guess title they could give him was king and that wow. was like the greatest honor but for him he's like no no 
you guys don't realize that's nothing. Wow. There's so much more that I can do, just wait and see. Um, and so we do kind of like, uh, I guess, narrow his power in, in, in that aspect. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like it's not about him doing more or less. For me, it's like two different things. I'm, there's A and there's B. There are yeah. two totally different agendas there. Mm -hmm. Their agenda was human and his agenda mm -hmm. was divine and they didn't intersect. Mm. Do we often find that in our own lives where maybe how we pray can be according to a human agenda when <laughs> God has a divine agenda for our lives? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have that happen all the time. I always pray like, God, if this is your will, yeah. then I'm going to do it this way. And then when things happen a whole different way, then I get, you know, angry and then I doubt God. Then I say, why am I putting him in a box? Yeah. You know, because I know that's how they did the Jews and the Gentiles. They put, they probably putting Jesus in a box thinking, mm -hmm. okay, maybe this is all he can do and he's not really, you know, the king or, you know, things like that. So. Wait, can we ever not do that? At the end of the day, right, Christ died for us. His power is, he's omnipotent. He's done right. everything. It, it is finished the work on, on humanity's behalf. But we're, we're going to be human until we die or he comes mm -hmm. again. So, like, to me, when we have this spiritual discussion about how can we learn from their mistakes, it's kind of like, is there any way to really avoid that? We might do it less often. Mm -hmm. But is there ever a point where we just stop having a human perspective whatsoever? Wow. You know, I'm reading this book, and it kind of talks about that. Like, you know, is there a balance between embracing your own humanity while aspiring for, you know, the divine. And um, the author kind of tries to take an angle that that is a kind of a goal, like, you know, growing to be like Christ isn't becoming less human, a certain connotation of that. Yes, less human in the sense like we're not bent towards rejecting God, mm -hmm. but it's not like we stop breathing, stop having a heartbeat, stop, you know, Maybe. being hungry, you know, all those kinds of things. Uh -huh. And so to your point, I, I love that that thought that you're pushing about you know, these perspectives are kind of inherent, you know, we... And it's a part of us. I mean, uh, there's nothing we can do. We're always going to yeah. have that human perspective when it comes to just how God does who he is or Jesus. And I mean, it's hard to yeah. think beyond that and yeah. have a different mindset, but, but I see. So, wait, you're asking if we will become less human? I'm sorry, I'm just not understanding. Well, I wasn't asking a particular question, uh -huh. just kind of feeding off of what Vanessa was saying that you know, it's a very human thing to think, okay, wait, he's just fed 5,000 people from, mm -hmm. you know, a McDonald's Happy Meal. <laughs> a little Lunchable, and now everyone's he fed. He should be king and He should be us. king. That's a human thing to think. Okay. But sometimes the agendas are not congruent, our agenda with God's agenda. I think, though, that God deals with that human tendency with grace. Um, mm -hmm. Let's read a passage, Psalm 103. And I think it's verse 10, but when I get there, <laughs> uh, we'll see. Psalm 103, and let's look at verse 14. Psalm 103, verse 14. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Mm -hmm. I remember I first came across that, and I was like, whoa. God knows that he's made us in his image, but we're not him. And I think he interacts with us on a daily basis like that. Like, I remember very much your tendencies, mm. your proclivities. I remember, you know, that there are times where you do feel like, okay, Lord, I'm a little uneasy with your plan versus my plan. Mm -hmm. um, have you guys ever experienced anything like that? Where you felt God leading a certain way, but you were completely uncomfortable with that? Uh, all the time. <laughs> Care to share? Oh, sure. <laughs> 
So I, I guess um, your whole life you kind of go through, I guess for me, I, not everybody, you kind of plan out what mm -hmm. you're doing, uh, especially when you're in school. Like you know what you're doing next year, you know the classes that you're taking, you know what you're doing. Um, and I had never known anything but that. Um, so when I got to college, I said, you know, I'm going to study this and I'm going to do this. And that was my plan throughout all of college. And, and I had plans and I had uh, things that I had already, you know, scheduled and was getting ready to do. Yeah. And not to get it, you know, into too many details, but in a matter of like a couple months, I did like a complete 180. Wow. I changed what I was studying. I was no longer headed in the direction where I was going. I w and so for me, that was, you know, unheard of. Like, I always know where I'm going. I always know what I'm doing. Right. Um, and so that to have that uncertainty, at first I was like, oh, what am I doing? <laughs> What's yeah. going on? What, what, where am I going to be? What am I going to do? Um, but then, not immediately, <laughs> but close thereafter, you know, um, I kind of adopted this calm sense of, you know, if this is what happened, this was this was God. Sure. God intervened. Um, I would pray about you know the plans that I had and the decisions that I had made for my life, um, and they had changed. And I said, you know what, this is because God wanted them to change. And they were such such, you know, plans that were set in stone almost mm -hmm. that He has He only He has the power to change those. So for me to have have that change go through um, my life and see how that um, that change happened. I wasn't. I wasn't doubtful. I didn't. I didn't say, "Oh, well, maybe I should have." No. For me, I was completely and one hundred percent okay with it because yeah. I was like, "I know, I know this is God's plan," and yeah. I know. And of course, I'm doing everything, I guess, better. And I and I see myself. Had I gone down that, I guess, original plan, you know, you can kind of see afterwards in retrospect. Yeah. Oh, that would have not been great. And yeah. everyone tells you, you know, God saved you from that. You may not have known that in the moment that it happened. But afterwards, looking back on it, seeing it from a different perspective that you couldn't have seen it at from before, that was like all the difference. It made all the difference. Wow. And that's what I find a lot of people struggle with, exactly what you just said. Mm -hmm. I know my plan. How can I follow a plan that I don't know? If it's God's plan mm -hmm. and he doesn't tell me what it is, why am I supposed to just jump off a cliff and expect <laughs> him to catch me? But it's like here, in the, back to the Canaanite woman in Matthew 15, 24, mm -hmm. Um, he says, I was not sent except to the lost sheep. So basically, he's saying that's not the plan. Right. That's not the plan. And it's kind of like, for, it's, for me personally, when I find myself wanting to stick to what I know, because especially with college, you're spending mm -hmm. tens of thousands of dollars. <laughs> you're spending time of your life that you're not going to get back. Mm -hmm. If you switch major, your friends <laughs> are going to tell you you're crazy. Right. And all for why? Because because God has taken me to a land I do not know. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so it then seem a bit uh, out there. <laughs> ridiculous, but in hindsight. So it's like right. in foresight, we know throughout reading the Bible and all the examples that we have, God, it, there's nothing he does by consequence or by coincidence. It's all planned to the very detail, detail, detail. That's why Jesus is always talking about to fulfill this prophecy or to fulfill right. that prophecy, I'm doing this, down to the detail, the plan. And secondly, we're really not going to understand it until after anyway. You know, I can relate with that idea of our plan versus God's plan. And I remember to your school um, example being crushed, all caps, with an exclamation <laughs> point, when I realized that I was going to have to stay longer than four years in <laughs> undergrad. You know, the ideal is kind of, you just go into it thinking, you know, yeah. here is the curriculum, do these classes each semester. 
And when I learned that that wasn't happening for me, literally, I just was just a mess. <laughs> and um, foresight, just didn't see how this was a part of the plan. My whole class is going forward. I'm behind in life. Mm -hmm. You know, like we become very, very broad, right? I'm just behind in life. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's off now. And um, man, it was, that fifth year was the greatest year of my collegiate experience. And it's just <laughs> like, you know, God, you're something else. You know, you're looking out. <laughs> Look at you. And I wish I could just carry that historical example in my life mm. across every future thing, but please believe it's right. almost monthly. It's like, now God, what is yeah. going on? No, but I think it's good. I think, I think it's, that it's more, and I guess it depends on how, how big that mm. change is, but I think that once you've experienced it, one, like if you've already experienced it once before, it's made an impact in your life. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, somebody can come and give you advice and tell you, but you're not going to listen to them. You're going to listen to, I guess, what you want to do and, and from your experience. But if you've had that experience, right. you, you kind of have that to go back on and say, well, he got me through that. Why wouldn't he get me through this? Right. That's a good point because I always wanted to go to law school. I wanted to be a lawyer. Okay. And I told God, please, can you just open these doors and get me to law school. Sure. And when that never happened, I was devastated. And I asked God, what's going on here? Yeah. But little did I know years later, I would be doing my master's in children and family ministry. Wow. And now I'm like, okay, I guess God wants <laughs> to use me in, in the church or, yeah. you know, to he has something planned in store for that. So, yeah, it's something, mm -hmm. so it's just a whole different 360. Mm -hmm. Never saw the coming, and it's true. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about the hypocrites part of the lesson? Because I, I was with the lesson, right? Like we're talking about Jews and Gentiles, we're right. talking about feeding the hungry, talking about creation, and then we talk about hypocrites. Right. And I'm like, why would hypocrites come up in a discussion about Jews and Gentiles? Right. And so for me, it's kind of like, what is, what does the Lord want me to understand today in in the year 2016? Is you know what I mean? Our cultures are so different mm -hmm. yeah. from theirs. Um, but it's like, I'm just, I just want to like, geez, man, what's the word in English? Gossip. I just want to gossip with y'all a little bit. Like, <laughs> when was the last time you saw a hypocrite without naming names? How did you feel about it? Every day. And, uh, <laughs> and I always ask myself, do I do the same thing? Because I know I'm guilty of oh, it yeah. as well. So, so it's just a reminder that. to me. I'm like, wait, let me not talk about what someone is doing and look at my life. Like, you know, he talks about the speck in your eye. Look at the speck in your eye first right. before you talk about that person's or in, sin or and what they they're doing. And they say, like, when you point at someone, you yeah. have three fingers pointing right. back at you. Exactly. I like when my teacher would say that. So I'd be, like, pointing like this. Like, <laughs> Instead of, yeah. Are in trouble, all right. y'all, not me, y'all. No, but it, I find it interesting that in the discussion of the difference between the two people groups, sure. this topic of hypocrisy always comes up. Yeah, yeah, with the levels of playing field. Yeah, and it's like Jesus, because Jesus was in the in crowd. Mm -hmm. He was a Jew, mm -hmm. and he always had an issue with the Jews. Like he didn't have it. He wasn't calling the Gentiles vipers. Yeah, he wasn't calling the Samaritans vipers. And so mm. for me, it's kind of like he to his own. And I feel when we have uh, denominations or we have value systems, we, we are quick to get on people who are outside of our system wow. when we don't even honor it wow. ourselves. Wow. And I think there's also a conflict between tradition and authority. Well, okay. So it's yes. like, what, what, you know, what is mm -hmm. traditional? And then you want to say, okay, do I listen to the authority, mm -hmm. the pastors in our church, or, you know, back then the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. So I think that was really, you know, a huge. What is that? Why do we get know? tradition 
confused with authority. Just because something is old and people right. have been doing it for hundreds of years, why does that make it correct? And that's, I think I'm that's asking. also the issue. That's right. it. I mean, because exactly. that's something I'm thinking about too, because I've seen that conflict between tradition and authority. Like, authority feels like they can make a few changes to what tradition was back in the day and to accommodate maybe yeah. our generation of today. Oh, you know, like some churches, yeah. they try to get young people into the church and they try to see what can we do to, you know, get them in. And they use different <laughs> sure. ways, it, like postmodern, yeah. you know, worship. Or, yeah. So I don't know but if that makes any sense. Like the time, so the, the styles of today, mm -hmm. yeah. 50 years from now, and I'm going to, am I going to be an elderly person who's stuck on the styles that, of today, of today that yeah. I considered okay morally when yeah. I was young? Like, how can we prevent that? I think one of the ways we can prevent it, or at least you know, maintain observation of it, is to constantly reassess why certain things are, period. Um, it's easy to allow years to elapse and there's no revisitation of why they were implemented in the first place. Mm. I'll give an example, um, white ties during communion. As a pastor, um, well I should say before I was a pastor, as a child I saw that growing up. Well, it's still done in many contexts today, but there are others who are getting away from it. And as you can imagine, there was a lot of rumbling initially when people started to do away with the white ties. Some do open collar, some do a different color tie. And it's just yeah, like a big problem. big problem until there was kind of a communal revisitation to say, hey, you know, what really is changed when Jesus had the Last Supper, when this was instituted? They weren't wearing white ties and it was just <laughs> as relevant then as it is now. So I think that's one way that could possibly prevent us from being the old older, you know. Uh, becoming um, Pharisees ourselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I think that's maybe a second point, that never to think that I can't be a hypocrite. Right. You know, because once you think you can't be a hypocrite, guess what? You know? Yeah. <laughs> You've yeah. defined it, you know. And I, that was really, it was a deep part of the lesson for me when he, he basically was comparing their value systems, which I, um, I read a lot of commentary when I study, and mm -hmm. I, and I read um, in Matthew Henry's commentary that he, they got on, Jesus because his followers weren't doing something ceremonial that yeah. they had invented yeah. like even as they asked the question they're like they didn't say why aren't you following the scriptures that's why yeah. aren't you following the tradition yeah, that, that mm. and then yep. he was like you don't even follow the Ten Commandments yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. so I don't think it's that big of a like yeah. and, it, and we be, can become that way where our behaviors or our foods or our clothes mm -hmm. or all these things that really don't matter at all right and then we're we're judging others over them and causing division and causing you know discord. And we become so legalistic. Yeah. Then we, that's when we start becoming hypocritical of others who are not like us in the church. And, and it's so hard to right. Yeah. It's what legal system are you following? Exactly. Because it's so of, hard to yeah. To, yeah. Of behaviors or the legal system of God of the yeah. kingdom of God of the Ten Commandments. Well, let me ask you this. Maybe you guys wouldn't mind providing maybe a one statement summary of your sentiments from this lesson. What would you say to somebody who's in the out crowd right now as we wrap up? It's probably better to be out there than stuck in here. Okay. Oh, I, oh, that was, she, she took the words out of my mouth, but no, I mean, that's, no, hey, it, it's about, it's, that's a good one. Okay. I, I'm actually going to just pick you up at first. Yeah, that was a good point too. I don't know. I need to think more, but yeah, well, <laughs> it's like something you, you know. Be always concerned. A lot of this is concerned lateral and not mm -hmm. what is my standing with, with God. Yeah. Well, thank you all so much for your time today, thank and you. thank you for tuning in. For more, you can go to www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschool the letter u.org. Can't wait to see you next time. Blessings.